Hey everybody, welcome into the Action Sports Shacks Pile On Podcast. Brent Martineau along with... Nope, not Dan. Nope, not Stuart. Not flying solo. I thought even Ty or Kaylee, my kids, might make an appearance. Or listen, before this guy. But no, Marcel Robinson, the legendary Marcel Robinson is here. What's up, man? Nothing much. Just uh, is this your debut, or has Dan had you on? No, I think that well, technically my debut was when we were in London. Oh, that's a good point. Good that point. Was the last Gosh, we've been doing the podcast that long. It's been a while. Last last week we made fun of you a lot. We did. Got a lot. Got a lot of uh, outside talk about that one. Yeah, people so, are listening. So and so now we had to listen to you about that. Were you okay coming off the ribbing from all the picture taken? You know, I was good. It's uh, it's one of those things that if you can't. Take the heat. Got to get out of the kitchen. <laughs> You're in the kitchen now. Uh, although, you know, who knows how Hicken would make fun of you if he was on right now. But um, we don't have him. Hicken's on vacation this week, so uh, we call in the reinforcements. Weber's on vacation. Is anybody working other than us? Nope. That's it. Operation shutdown is underway in the sports department. Um, hey, we're going to talk some football, some NBA. Marcel Robinson's forte, he thinks. Uh, maybe even a little baseball. Let's get with football first. OTAs, A.J. Boye back. We were out there on Tuesday. Listen, OTAs, let me be honest with you, they're boring. Um, flat out boring. We appreciate the access. Appreciate getting a little video. Appreciate giving it to the uh, viewer, the listener, um, letting people in on it. But it's good to see football. But it's boring. Yeah. That, I mean, it, that's it. Yeah, I mean, basically, it's uh, like That's why A.J. Boye missed it last week. It's boring. Can't blame him. I mean, it's pretty much a glorified practice. A bunch of guys in shirts and shorts and stretching, I guess. Yeah, it's football without hitting. Right. Uh, Jalen Ramsey's still not there. Leonard Fournette not there again. Uh, you got guys kind of in and out with Fowler. And, you know, I think they're all just picking their spots. And you know what? It doesn't matter, especially when you're good. This used to be a bigger storyline when the Jags were bad. Everybody's like, hey, how can you not be here? Well, it's not really a storyline anymore. Uh, the only thing I would like to see... I find it funny. Boye is kind of like, well, he's given these reasons why he's not here. Just say you didn't want to be here. Yeah. It's voluntary. <laughs> I didn't have to be here, so I'm not here. Basically. Yep. Because that's what it is. That's what it is. Um, the big story on Tuesday, though, when Nathaniel Hackett talked, I thought was pretty interesting about Blake Bortles. And uh, we'll play some of that uh, sound from Nathaniel Hackett. He's always been a Bortles believer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now he might have some friends with him on that train. Yeah, it definitely doesn't sound like he's alone. Um Blake believes it. He believes it. Marone talks about it a lot. Um, even just talking to some of the guys, D.D. Westbrook yep. said he has a little bit of swagger in his play calling, which swagger and Bortles is never something we heard together. That's true. Um, but it's good. It's uh, Hopefully that continues. Where have you been uh, since uh, you have not been as opinionated over the four years, probably on the Blake Bortles front, at least uh, publicly? Yeah. But uh, where have you been on Blake as a QB? Uh, you know, I've kind of been on the fence. I mean, I've always kind of – well, get off the fence. That's not a good opinion, Marcel. <laughs> I've always paid more attention to, to what goes on around him for the most part, but just watching him, I mean, he definitely has had some issues with his body language in the past, and, you know, we all know about the infamous slamming of the helmet and throwing everything on the silence and everything, but I think I feel like he has cleaned it up. It's something that Hackett and a lot of the players have kind of backed him, and I think Hackett said today, starting at the Colts game last year, I think yep. he said it's when he felt like he really kind of got it, and now he's just going out there and playing football, and, I mean, I mean, Blake knows it at the end, in the back of his mind. I mean, 75% of Jacksonville doesn't think he's the guy. But if he can go out there and keep doing what he did the second half of the season, and especially if he can do what he did in the playoffs, then, you know, I mean, got his back. Well, I still think there's this. I thought the Hackett, Hackett, and you'll hear from Hackett again, but uh, he said 
the Indianapolis game, that's when the numbers starting to look good started to look good. But it's that three-game stretch in early December for me where he got it. And then the playoffs without turning the football over, he was horrible in the second quarter against Buffalo. I still think he gets a bad rap for that entire game. I think it was the second quarter where he looked out of sorts. Mm-hmm. The whole offense did. It was just a bad game. And not the time to do it, but he absolutely played better the rest of the postseason. Uh, but I think he, you just said something that's interesting. The continuity of this offense, the fact that he's with Hackett now for really a fourth year, mm-hmm. uh, in this position a second year, it's got to be a comfort level for a guy who has had really an uncomfortable experience so far in the NFL. I mean, just think of any job you're in. Mm-hmm. The criticism, uh, the skeptics, the doubt. You said 75% of Jacksonville might not believe. I might be a little high in my opinion. But at the same time, in that locker room, I think he's got a 100% agreement behind him that he can help get this thing done and get him a Lombardi. And that's most important. Right. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, it's kind of it's funny how, you know, all of us in the media go in the locker room every single day and talking to these guys. And even last year, as we when we asked, say, like a Jalen Ramsey or Malik Jackson or any of the big hitters about Blake, it was kind of like be of a little bit of a chalk response. It kind of you know, the basic narrative. Hey, you know, we have his back and he's our quarterback, this, that and the other. But kind of as the year progressed and even now, people are actually starting to eat a little bit of a different response. You know, everyone's complimenting something different. You know, Blake is talking, I mean, uh, Didi's talking about his swagger. And when I talked to Keelan Cole about it a couple of days ago, he said that, you know, he, he just really has command of the huddle. And even the defensive guys are starting to compliment him, which is something that we haven't really seen. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, you know, you do, you, again, you like that this time of year. Will they be saying that in late August and September? That's a fair question. But you got to go with what you got. And that's this time of year right now. And they're saying good things about a guy who spent time in California. He'll go back there. I really believe, there's a part of me that believes he has learned how to be a pro and learned what it takes. And that's easier to know what success is, too. He now knows he knows what losing is. He knows yeah. what throwing 35 touchdowns is. Right. He knows what throwing a lot of interceptions, turning the ball over is. But now he knows what winning is. Mm-hmm. And, and that's an important part of it. Um, that's not as easy as said than done, mm-hmm. uh, or done than said. But the, the fact that he finally got to experience success in the NFL from a W standpoint uh, is, is a big deal, in my opinion. Here's Nathaniel Hackett talking about his quarterback. And this, again, has always been a guy who's believed. Hackett's a positive guy by nature, uh, but he's also been an honest guy over the years saying, hey, he is still raw when it comes to knowledge. Well, that seems like it's changing. Blake has commanded the offense, like Marcel said. He has more knowledge about the game of football and playing the QB position than he's ever had. And I think through Hackett's words, you get a sense that they are very confident in number five. I want Blake to play football. You know, I think there's been so many times that he's gone out there and he hasn't been able to just go out there and play and, and you know, really um, think about, you know, beating a defense. And I think as the season went on, I think that's kind of where he went. You know, whatever was clicking at that time, he knew that's what he had to do more of, whether it was run the ball, whether it was throw the ball, whether it was, you know, get it to this guy or that guy. And that's, that's playing, you know, that's understanding what the defense is going to do to you, audibling, checking out of things, getting to better plays. I mean, that's where you always want a guy to get. But it just takes it takes time, you know. You, you want a guy as a young guy to come in and do it right away, and then you see some good, you see some bad. You're like, oh, but it's such a difficult position to play. And I think right now Blake's on that path. I still think he's far away, but I think that he's making great strides. And I think now it's about playing football. I think just our conversations are 
so different than our first day here when we were just trying to figure out defenses and what a different fronts were to the new system we were we were implementing and now it's it's we don't talk about that as much it's hey what why are we calling this play what are we trying to get to who do you want to get to within the progression where are you going to go and his advancement is just going so much more uh, i mean just the protection aspects themselves uh, you know is is just not as frustrating to him he knows where his weaknesses are he knows how to help guys from the standpoint of the calls he can make and i think that's what just needs to continue to progress and we're going against Arguably one of the best defenses in the NFL. So it's the best practice the guy can get versus one of the most difficult schemes and the best personnels. I would, I would probably take it back. I think one of the earlier light bulbs was earlier in the season. Um, one of the big ones for me was that Indianapolis game, the first one that we played. I think he was starting to really trust some things. And when you look at from that point on, he really started to click. Even the uh, couple games that he kind of went down a little bit, you, you always expect that. It's hard to play a, a great 16-game season across the board. Um, but he, even when those ones weren't great, he knew how to fix it, and he did, it didn't let him get down. You know, I, th I think in the past it was when he had a bad game or some bad things. It was, oh gosh, you know, oh, I'm, I'm done, or oh, I can't do it. Or, and now it's, hey, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to move on. I mean, even I look at the Charger game. I mean, the Charger game was so up and down, and um, you know, he wasn't doing good, but he was able to finally brush it off, and then he was able to come down and, and win the game. And I think that was so key. So I think. It was really that indie game is when I think he got a lot of confidence. Then he had that stretch of a bunch of good games. And then, I mean, going in the playoffs, I mean, he treated it just like another game, which was awesome. I, and, and I think that's something, you know, playoffs are where it matters most in our profession is how you handle that from uh, play calling to executing those plays. I think the whole offense really stepped up. They really rallied around each other. And I, that was the fun part about that run. You've talked a lot over the years about that knowledge, uh, some of those conversations you just brought up at the beginning compared to now. Um, how much of a curve has that been? And did, did you ever think you'd <laughs> well, see that side of the curve? I would say it was pretty low in the beginning. It was pretty low in the beginning. And, and, but that, that's a lot with all the college guys. Yeah. You know, I mean, you come into the NFL and everybody thinks you can just jump in. I mean, even the young quarterbacks that have come out now, it's just there's so much stuff and the game is so fast. And just from the protection aspect, when maybe some guys didn't have any protection responsibility in college, that now it just, I mean, that's the number one biggest emphasis is we have to be able to pick things up because we're going to see so many different looks. And I mean, I would say that I did think that he had the capability of it. I think that's why I was so excited about his progress as he was going on. But it's one of those things. It's about patience. The longer a quarterback can wait, the more time that he can have, the better he's going to be. You can look across the league and all the quarterbacks, the ones that are most successful are the ones that have played a lot of football and have had time to kind of develop and learn and had success and moved on and been able to get that, that confidence and then continue to grow. And I think that's, that's where he's at. And I think the sky's the limit for him. I can't stop talking to Nathaniel Hackett or can't help but think of when I'm talking to Nathaniel Hackett the fourth quarter against the Patriots. And I think it will be interesting. I think it's still so fresh. Um, you know, and as we get closer to the season, I think we'll do more with this. But I think it's so fresh for them coming off that loss. You wonder, and I wonder if the answer will be revealed at some point, did they fail in something or did the Patriots do better in something? Uh, was it a conservative approach that so many people agree, uh, think? Uh, you know, we've heard, hey, it wasn't Blake they didn't have confidence in. They were concerned about their offense and their receivers uh, in that situation in the fourth quarter. But there's so many questions probably inside Nathaniel Hackett's mind that you know as a competitor he would love to replay about five different plays in that game. Maybe it's calls. I'm not even putting the blame on him. Uh, but I just think 
man, that final 10 minutes will be replayed. That's sports, though. That mm-hmm. will be replayed for the rest of his life, probably. Yeah, personally, I feel like for all those guys, I mean, heck, even for us, I think the last five minutes of that game will be something that everyone is going to replay and remember until the Jags, until they get to the Super Bowl. They won the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was just, even a couple of days ago, you just think of, you know, if, if what if this play was different or this play was different? And sometimes people say that, you know, the quicker they get on the field, they play a regular season game, then all that's gone. The big, the biggest thing is, you know, that was last year, this is this year. I don't think you can actually do that. I yeah, mean, I don't either. I mean, it's the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it'll be interesting to see. Again, I, we'll get into more of this as the season goes along. It's a little too early still, I believe, um, to kind of to get into kind of their minds. But uh, we ran out of time with Hackett. I kind of would have liked to ask him today just – do they still do guys in their team meetings bring up that game because you know it's on their mind mm-hmm. or do you try to ignore that game and flush it there was there's been some third and uh what they say not third and 18 but um uh, maybe it was the fourth and 16 i think they put yeah. up earlier yeah. in this offseason programming so mm-hmm. they've acknowledged yeah. and they're trying to use it as motivation mm-hmm. uh, so it you know, Marone's interesting because he wants to get away from last year. The problem is he's got dummies like us that want to <laughs> keep bringing it up because that's the last thing we remember. Right. And that's you're so close. You want to. We look at it as one continuous thing. Okay. Well, next step is get to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. What Marone and these guys keep trying to remind us is, hey, it starts from scratch, whether you like it or not. Last year, I know it's cliche, but it really doesn't mean a darn thing. Right? No, I I mean, it really doesn't. It's kind of the biggest thing in sports. It's short memory. If you don't have a short memory, then, I mean, you're you're not a very good. I think that's kind of what separates, you know, good professional athletes from great ones. Can you, you know, put aside what happened? Like, when we get to that same position, say, you know, mid-November, Jags are up. Same situation is coming about. Do you think to yourself, all right, this is what we have to do to win? Or do you think to yourself, okay, we did this in New England. How do we not lose? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. which could be a dangerous thing Mm -hmm. if you're thinking that way. Uh, Speaking of good to great, D.D. Westbrook. We think he's going to be pretty good. Fourth-round pick from last year. Uh, Can he be great? Uh, There's some interesting thoughts, I think, in the building quietly of just how impactful a guy like Westbrook can be. Does he get lost in the shuffle with some of these new signings and some of the – a guy like Keelan Cole who's really come on in the last year – uh, we caught up with D.D. Westbrook this week at OTAs. I covered a lot of different topics, including a play from the Patriots game that he still cannot get out of his mind. How is this different? I know it's uh, OTAs. We're still far away from uh, really... September when it all gets going, but is it different in your second year, the approach to this time of year? Uh, not necessarily. You know, I mean, we still here. We all in here. Uh, we trying to get the chemistry down with, of course, Blake. And every day and every rep, you know, it's a chance to get better. We've uh, talked to Blake a little bit. Uh, we talked to Nathaniel Hackett about the offense in year two. Is it any different for you, the understanding of it? Does it feel like you know it better, any of that kind of stuff? Uh, I mean, of course, I feel like I know it better, but at the end of the day, like I said, it's still room for improvement. You know, I don't know it all. It's a chance for me to, of course, learn other positions and, of course, what the offensive line do. So it's always room and a chance to, of course, uh, find different ways to get better. 
How do you think this offense can evolve now that you guys have been around it in a couple of years? Uh, I feel like we're going to be really good this year. You know, of course, the sky's the limit, and we're going to continue to show that and improve that in practice each and every day. So much of that is uh, depends on number five. What have you seen out of Blake so far? Is it same old Blake, or do you notice a, a guy that's getting a little more mature and, and older as he enters year five? Uh, most definitely. I see him, like like you just said, uh, getting more mature, you know, older, that swagger. You know, you can see the swagger coming on, and of course, just going out there and leading us. Do you set goals now that you know what the NFL is about? You didn't get the full season, of course, because of the injury, but do you set goals in year two of what you're trying to accomplish? Uh, most definitely. You know, I have my own personal goals, and of course, I have the team goals that, of course, everybody see each and every day we walk into the locker room. But, you know, my own personal goals is going to come over time whenever we, of course, uh, proceed with the team goals. So my personal goals are going to be determined by our team goals. Some of the guys we talked to say you can really sense in the, in the building. Um, maybe it's a locker room, maybe it's out on the field, that there's a hungry group, no one else close you guys got a year ago. Is there a part of that? Um, you most, most definitely, 100%. You know, uh, of course, we're, we're a team in there now. We all know exactly what it takes to get there, and we know what it takes now, of course, losing to the Patriots to get over that hump and be successful and go and play in the Super Bowl and try winning it. But at the end of the day, like I said, it's the same hunger that we have last year, you know, coming in. Like, we got to get better. We got to improve, and nobody's going to roll over for us. Uh, we're the team that everybody's out to get. And so, of course, we, we have to keep grinding. What was this offseason like when you went home or wherever you went uh, because of the success that you guys had? Did you get reminded of it a bunch? Oh, most definitely, a lot, a lot. You know, and of course, you, you got a lot of people now on our side, but at the end of the day, you can't let that get to your head. You know, you got to remember what got you there and what's going to continue to get you there, and that's hard work. Do you have snapshots of that rookie season, whether it's when you first played or uh, something from that AFC Championship game, anything that, that even at night, sometimes in that off season or still now that you you kind of look back on and like I wish I could have that back or that was awesome any most, of those kind of emotions most definitely and it's the one play of course we all know very well and that's the um, when we played New England you know the fourth and 16 I believe in the Gilmore I just felt like if I could have put myself in better position to make that play it was possible does it motivate you yeah, most, one single play most most definitely you know and, and now I go into it each and every play I got it. I must win. I got to get the ball, you know, and wherever it is, where wherever it's at, I got to locate that and make the play for the team. You do have some new faces in that receivers room. How are the? How is that going early on? Uh, that's good. That's good. You know, it's real good. Of course, uh, the chemistry with us, we're we're getting together, and it helps with OTAs because we're spending that time together. We get out of the building at what two o'clock. We all go together and get dinner. We eat, you know, and so it's just the chemistry coming around. And of course, we rally in around Blake, and it's going to be a very successful year for each and every one of us. One last question for you. How long was that rookie season? I always think you guys roll from college and then into the draft process and then obviously into a new life in the NFL at a different level. Uh, can you put into words what the length of that year felt like, what it did to your body, your mind, all those things? Man, honestly, that's the longest season I've ever had. You know, of course, I've been playing ball since I was seven years old. I've never really had an off season. So this off season, of course, I made the most of it. Uh, and like I said, that is. 16 games you know you got to think towards the late end of the season the college teams are just playing their bowl game and we still got what three more three more games before the regular season is over with and so that pretty much goes and determine how long the season actually is and of course staying healthy throughout that is it's tough it's a grind but it's just something you got to trust it's a process some good luck to you man Thanks yep thank you D.D. Westbrook, part of that receiving core, and there are some guys on that receiving core that are forgotten about rashad green got a lot of attention with nathaniel hackett on tuesday 
mean, does he have any chance to make this team? Everybody's had him cut for about 14 months. I, I don't know. I mean, it's I mean, it's going to be tough. I mean, it's not going to be easy for him. Uh, it's funny. We were joking around uh, at the field. I want to say the second day was, you know, I'm pretty sure A-Rob's gone, Hernsey's gone, Rashad Green's feeling good. Like, you know what? I got a good shot to start from scratch and get on this team. And then what happens? They go get Moncrief and they draft Chark. And it's just like, oh, this is a... Uh, going to be a long shot again. But, I mean, like you said, um, Hackett's been pretty complimentary about it. Even Marone pointed out some good things about him, said, you know, he's just been hurt. But if Marone said if he keeps doing what he's doing, he's got a good shot to be in the mix to make the team. Um, and, and I remind everybody, what did this receiving core look like last August? It looked like a strength yep. on this football team with depth. Well, mm-hmm. then they lost Green. Then they lost A-Rob. Then they lost Hearns. I'm probably missing somebody else they lost. Uh, Wynn is uh, Shane Wynn's another guy that he, his name keeps getting thrown out there. Could he mm-hmm. be a player uh, that, that they lean on, especially if somebody gets hurt in August with the five guys that we all think might be a part of this uh, receiving core for the Jags. And I'll give one more thing to Rashad Green before we switch topics. He can punt return, too. He and can. he was pretty darn good in that. Um, role in his first year, then he struggled a little bit fielding him um, since then. So we'll see. I mean, I think it's a confidence thing with Rashad Green. Probably on his way out of here, most would think if he had to handicap it, but don't sleep on him. Another name the Jags could lean on. Hackett, very complimentary on Tuesday about Rashad Green looking like his old self. So uh, the more the merrier, they say, in the NFL, especially at the wideout position. All right, let's switch topics. NBA finals are coming up on Thursday. Who do you like? Cleveland, Golden State. Well, I like Cleveland, as in I, I like them as a team. <laughs> yeah. But there's, I mean, there's a, there's always a little bit of a chance when you have LeBron James. But I mean, let's let's be honest. This thing is going to be over faster than we can blink. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's in five games, and I love LeBron. I mean, I'm just I've become this LeBron lover. I, I I just watching him, love watching him play. I think it's amazing what he's been able to do. But uh, I don't see how this stacks up on paper. I mean, even if they go with Allen, this is he's the fifth best player we're talking about missing. Yeah, it, it, they don't have a fifth best player on Cleveland. No. They don't have a third best player on Cleveland. So uh, I think I might be the fifth best player on Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, where do you stand now in the whole? You know what's interesting? I'll bring up two topics. We'll, we'll talk LeBron and Michael kind of conversation in a minute. But I think what's an interesting topic is Steph Curry and Durant. Durant, to me, is a way better player than Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. But Steph Curry's kind of the face. He's like the yep. second, arguably the second face in the NBA Yeah, behind LeBron. Yeah, you could say that. And, and he's clutch, and he does some great things, and he gets hot. But I still believe the guy that get, got them rolling in game six and seven, the guy that made the difference last year in the finals, is Kevin Durant. Yeah, definitely last year, uh, KD was the guy. I mean, you, ca- you can't really... You can't really put the two in the same category for the most part. It's kind of 1A and 1B. Um, I think it's more so Steph Curry is definitely the face of Golden State. As much as people want to say that he's the better player, I mean, Kevin Durant is probably the second best player in the league behind LeBron James, but Steph Curry isn't that far behind him. Um, I think that Steph kind of gets them going in a sense. Like even Game 7 when Houston was, was up on them, KD was making a little bit of a run. He was struggling a little bit, but then all you need is basically one shot from Steph Curry, and then they're kind of off and rolling. That's the good thing about them is that they all feed off each other. It's kind of contagious. When one of them hits, then they all start hitting. Sometimes it's Klay Thompson. Sometimes it's KD. Even Draymond might surprise you in banging three. Um, But in the end, they're going to need – the difference is they can play – they can win if 
Durant has just a great game and Steph is off, I don't know if they can do it the other way. I feel like Steph still drives that bus. Are you uncomfortable? Because I'm getting dressed for TV while we're doing the podcast. That was a pretty good job, by the way, of while I uh, was getting dressed. Yeah, you, got, you have a lot of practice in, in, uh, in locker rooms yeah. growing up yeah, playing yeah. football. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to make you uncomfortable here, but I mean, I got to do TV in a couple minutes and interrupt the podcast. Um, we're going to keep you going. Uh, how bad is it to be an Oklahoma City fan? Because you had Harden and Durant, two guys that just faced off in seven games to get to the finals. It's uh, you know, it's tough, but I can, I can live with the fact that we don't have Harden and the Kevin Durant thing. Obviously, that's we didn't really have much of a choice at all. I mean, when Oklahoma City played Miami Heat in the finals, uh, Harden was just nowhere to be found, um, and then Serge Ibaka was, you know leading the league in blocks and when the decision came which one to keep at that point the NBA was still kind of in there you know we're going towards having a dominant big man um, and so Sam Presti made the decision to keep the guy that showed up in the finals but in hindsight yeah I mean Serge Ibaka ended up playing himself off the team trying to be Kevin Durant when he's nowhere close um, but it, 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 uh, it still kind of hurts a little bit especially when when Westbrook and all of us are at home all right, well, I have to go do TV. I don't know if you want to keep talking about the NBA or we can interrupt this for a moment. I think we'll interrupt for a moment, and then we'll pick up where we left off. But i got to hustle and do TV. More basketball talk after these messages, which will really not be a message because we're going to cut right back into this <laughs> when you hear it on the podcast. It's a figurative message. It's edited. There you go. All right, we're back. That was a quick break. Back like Are we, we going to put like a sound effect in between? I think we need like a whoosh. Yeah. A whoosh, maybe a bang. Yeah, that wouldn't be bad. I think we'll have to do something like that to, just to help edit. Okay, that's inside the business right there. Um, let's continue on with the NBA. I have one other topic. Uh, I don't watch the NBA day in, day out. I've probably watched more NBA this year than I can remember in quite some time. Again, LeBron, a lover right now. I think he's, uh, he's awesome. The James Harden thing bothers me, though. Harden was not good, I think, in Game 7 it was last year. No. He was not good in the final two and a half games, I thought, this year with the series on the line. Mm -hmm. I don't think, Marcel, you're an NBA guy. You love everybody. Nice to everyone. (laughs) But I don't think Harden can be considered a superstar player. I mean, that was the most irrelevant 30.7 rebounds, whatever assists last night that I've ever seen. He had zero impact in a positive way on the game. And uh, not to say they would have won, because I think being without Chris Paul really did hurt them at the end of the day. But I just, James Harden, man, I, I don't want to pick on him. He's a good basketball player. He's a very good basketball player. I just don't think he's superstar material if you play the way he's played the last couple of years in the postseason. No, he's a, I would say he's definitely a star. Superstar, not necessarily, because he James Harden is not going to bring a team through a series. Like, he's not going to, you know, LeBron, Kevin Durant, in some smaller cases, Russell Westbrook. The problem with James Harden is that this, the type of basketball that he plays, it's not really, you know, conducive for a team basketball. Like, uh, I, th- I want to say it was maybe Reggie or Chris Webber had, had uh, said that there have been plenty of possessions where he'll bring the ball down, he'll just dribble, 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 wait till about four or five seconds left in the shot clock and then try to make a decision. By that point, if if I'm one of the other four guys, once we get down, if you've had the ball from 24 to four seconds left, I'm assuming you're just going to shoot it. Like I'm assuming you're not coming to me. Mm -hmm. And the problem is he he feeds it off to, 
you know, Trevor Ariza or, or Eric Gordon or even Gerald Green who just, just I mean, what do you do? I mean, you have no, no choice. You can't set your own shot up. You just – but I think – I would say he's a superstar, but I would say I think there's another level after superstar. Like, I would, I would say that you have superstars and then you have Kevin Durant, LeBron James – and those guys, Steph Curry, probably in there. I mean, you got to be clutch. Mm-hmm. Sooner or later, you got to be clutch. And and I, like I know LeBron got the moniker of not being clutch, but I mean, this was just two and a half games of a flow. I'm not talking in the last five or ten seconds hit the game-winning shot. Uh, I, I think this was bigger than that the last couple. So anyway, that was my uh, uh, kind of rookie analysis of uh, the NBA. Uh, it's been fun. I will say the NBA's got me back, and LeBron's got me back. I, I went a long time without liking the NBA, watching the NBA, but it's it's been fun to watch. There's a lot of stars. There's a lot of young stars. There's a decent amount of good teams. Now, the, there's been some real bad play the last couple of days. Oh, but, terrible. Um, but at least the NBA's got a good thing going right now, and, and you got to acknowledge that. I think that's a good thing. All right, lastly, LeBron, can he do anything to ever catch Michael? Because there, are you a Michael guy? Uh, I am a Michael. Yeah. Guy, okay. Yes. So, so you're like, this is like a Republican Democrat do- topic then. Like, you just won't come off Michael ever, most likely. Like, like if we we're talking politics here, like I'd be, re- I'd be arguing every Republican or Democrat view just because you're the other guy. That's what happens in politics. That's mm-hmm. like in our society now. I don't like talking politics. No. But I don't really think this is as divided as Michael versus LeBron. But. I think Michael has such a uh, – he's like Babe Ruth in a way where nobody's ever going to unseat Babe Ruth as the best player in Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. But he can't catch him? No, I don't, I, don't, I don't think he'll ever catch Jordan. See, the, the problem is – and it's, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a problem, actually, but I have a different opinion of how that whole argument goes because I feel like the fact that it's – That's why we brought you into the podcast. Let's hear it. <laughs> it's, Hicken says the same dang stuff every day. <laughs> well, the fact that – the fact that – they did play in different eras, I think matters more than people actually give it credit to. Like, I think everyone says, oh, you know, LeBron's the next Jordan. Is he the next Jordan? Is he the next Jordan? Well, I mean, one could make an argument that Kobe Bryant was, you know, if there was ever a quote-unquote next Jordan, that he was it. You know, he played like him. He acted like him on and off the court. I mean, it was pretty much like in, in a mirror. I think I've seen videos of moves that Kobe's made, and they've actually had them side by side, and it's literally the exact same progression, same timing and everything, and even the way they celebrated the basket. Um, I don't think that there will ever be another Jordan. I don't think there will ever be another LeBron James. I don't think there will ever be another Kobe Bryant. I, I think it's just because of the fact that he's the best player in the league. If you're the best player in the league, you're going to be compared to the best player to play the game, which yeah. is Michael Jordan. I hear you, and that's fair enough. Uh, let me give you two. Let me give uh, – and I'm not necessarily saying I disagree – uh, I, I would still have Michael Jordan there. But I also acknowledge that LeBron James is 33, and yes. he's still playing at a high level. Mm-hmm. And when we're done with this conversation, you're not going to be able to go to numbers at all and say, well, Michael was better here and Michael's better here. You might be able to go to six trophies. Yeah. But if that's your only measurable, well, then Bill Russell's the best. Exactly. So you can't only use that so much. And then you're going to say, well, he's three and six and uh, or three and five in NBA Finals. And then... I call you an uneducated sports fan or NBA fan because you know that three times at least LeBron's team shouldn't even have got to the finals, right. but he got him there, right. this one included. Uh, so I, got, I have two different things, and again, it's not really versus, but I think we saw, like you said, we saw Kobe Bryant, who was very Michael-like. I think we've seen a whole NBA for two decades that are Michael-like. 
I'm not sure we'll ever see another guy that is like this guy. I don't know if they make human beings like him. That's mm-hmm. not Michael's fault. Mm-hmm. That's This guy has this God-given ability, and he is a specimen, maybe the greatest. We were talking today on the radio. Maybe the greatest specimen we've ever seen in sports. Now, Shaquille O'Neal might be up there. One of the, Whoever, you can name certain guys. But he's definitely in the conversation. They just don't make people like LeBron James. Body type, speed, power, and then the ability that goes along with being one of the best to ever play the game. Yeah, no, there, I don't think that there will ever be another 6'9", 225 guy running around there with his head over the rim. I mean, that's just unheard of. Yeah, when he hits, like, the X button on the video game, when yeah. he decides he wants to go, it's a done deal. It's unbelievable yeah. how fast that guy is. And 225 is 265. Yeah. I mean, he's he's a he's an NFL tight end. But, okay, my other thing is this. You t- I have two questions. Well, no, one other argument. My argument first is... Kobe Bryant won five. Jordan won six. So that is people's arguments. Who was their coach during those times? Phil Jackson. Yep. Who's considered to be one of the best. Mm-hmm. Sin master. Yes. LeBron didn't have anything close to Phil Jackson. No. In terms of coaches. No. I mean, he was basically the coach of all of his teams. He basically was. Mm-hmm. And the GM, yeah. probably. Well, maybe not so much in Miami. But... I mean, it is a. I know that's a probably a weak side of the argument, but I mean, even Michael was surrounded by greatness. Kobe was surrounded by greatness. Mm-hmm. I think LeBron has not been surrounded by greatness no, in a I lot mean, of different respects. I mean, Dwayne Wade, fantastic, but especially in his Cleveland time. Yeah, outside of outside of the time he spent in Miami, I mean, um, yeah, I don't think he. I mean, he's been surrounded by basically just guys. I mean, they got obviously they had Kyrie and they had uh, Kevin. And I Love, like Kyrie. But, I think Kyrie is. Dwayne Wade-esque yeah. if he stays healthy. Yeah, but like this team here, they have they honestly have no business being the finals. I mean, they showed last night, uh, or not last night, two nights ago as they were celebrating, you have all the guys taking pictures of the trophy, throwing champagne, hanging out with the trophy. LeBron's over here. He's got ice on every <laughs> bone in his body. It's like, there's no way that they should be doing that while he's doing this. I know. It's funny. And, and so that's my last point, okay? And I'll ask you this question. And, and again, this doesn't mean he's better then, but I will say, would Michael Jordan or a Kobe Bryant or name your guy have brought this Cleveland team to the NBA Finals? I think both would have. You think, do. I think both would have. I think that both of them um, have that. They have that it factor. Like there's just there's a part that every player every player doesn't have it, but your select players they have a spot where it's just they go somewhere else and they look. We are not going to lose this game, and they can make sure that you don't lose that game. It's, it's just—it's a special factor. You—you you, you just have to be born with it. Um, everybody doesn't have that. I disagree with you, but I like your argument. I think that's a fair argument. I think those guys may have willed. The pro- they just hardly ever had to prove it. Right. Between Scottie Pippen and Shaquille O'Neal and Phil Jackson and all these guys, and again, that's not their fault. I'm not taking anything away from them. I did. I, I think we will look at LeBron and say. He got more out of his teams than maybe any other athlete has ever got out of a team. Uh, I think people say, like, um, Archie Manning used to be kind of like like he was the guy that had nobody around him, but he was a great player. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a little different. I don't think Archie Manning won a ton. Um, LeBron's winning. Right. But it, it just it's it goes down on some of those rare athletes. Uh, you know, maybe even Dan Marino falls in the category. Uh, they were I thought they had really good teams. But he didn't have Joe Montana kind of teams. Mm-hmm. He didn't have Roger Craig and 
Uh, now he did have Shula compared to Walsh. So, uh, it, you know, it's just interesting if you bring up some of those athletes and you just never know the answer to that question. That's why we debate it and love it. I disagree with you. I don't think anybody in the history of the game would have got their team. Maybe Wilt Chamberlain would have, yeah. at, back in that day, would have got a team like this. Actually, that's the guy they say. I, I, I brought up, uh, who did I just bring up? Oh, I was bringing up football, but basketball-wise, Wilt Chamberlain's a guy that was always on bad teams. Yep. Even and he was obviously great. So, uh, fascinating, fascinating stuff. All right, that's your NBA insider, Marcel Robinson. Do we have to pay you for that segment? Uh, I'll send an invoice. <laughs> <laughs> I th- listen, NBA's fun right now. Uh, we're not going to talk a lot of NHL because we don't really know it very well. But uh, Stanley Cup Finals. And then we've got college baseball. Florida, Florida State, Georgia, JU. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, softball, Florida, Florida State. Georgia softball, so a uh, busy week around here. And also a quick uh, congratu- congratulations to all the softball and baseball teams locally that made a run into the state finals on their successful seasons. All right, that's going to do it. A little football talk, a little basketball talk. Thanks to D.D. Westbrook, a little Nathaniel Hackett, and thanks to Marcel Robinson joining the podcast, not just taking pictures. He didn't take one selfie the entire time. I haven't taken one all week. We did the podcast. You're on, are you on suspension? I am. I'm on, I'm on a selfie freeze. Selfie freeze for Marcel Robinson. That's your Action Sports Jacks Pile on Podcast. Brent Morton, no, Marcel Robinson, and maybe Dan Hicken will work once in a while in the next week, and we'll get him back on. Have a good week, everybody.